Coffee Talk includes real talk that may not vibe with some listener preferences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, glad you could join us on Coffee Talk. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kat. We're two friends that could not be more different. Besides our love for multiple beverages and melodramatic TV shows. We drink coffee. Talk about coffee. Catch up with you all. And have a real good coffee talk. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Coffee Talk. I'm Kat, and Jesse's also here, and we also have a special guest here. But first, before we get to all that, I want to do our little intro update about the podcast. So if you like it, we just want you to hit us up. We want to hear from you, whether that's on our social media or on our website. Check out our new merch as well. It's also on our website under the shop tab. And lastly, we really would appreciate some rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends because both of those are really excellent ways to get the word out. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our very first guest on Coffee Talk. We have Dr. Mike with us. Hello, Dr. Mike. (laughs) Well, hi. Hi, Thanks for having me. Nice to have you here. So we'll start out how we do with every episode, and Dr. Mike will join in with his answers as well. So what is everyone drinking for this episode? Jess? Uh, Yeah, I'm just having my usual coffee with cinnamon, honey, and flax milk. What about you? I've got a toasted white chocolate mocha with cinnamon dolce syrup, and that is a fancy drink that I never would have come up with myself. I just walked into Starbucks and explained what I liked and said, pick something for me, and that's what they came up with, and it's pretty dang good. Sounds yummy. It is. It sounds like you're drinking sugar. Probably. (laughs) That's getting me hyped up, so it's doing its job. Sugar and caffeine. Woo! Yeah, there you go. America's drink. Right. Gross. Dr. Mike, what about you? I am just being kind of boring. I am actually enjoying a nice cup of ice water. After we finish this interview, uh, I'm going to be having dinner. And so I'm just kind of keeping it a little bit light. I like it. It's pretty boring. But, you know, hydration is good. It's good well, to drink water. Know. Take your medication. Yeah, you that's, know. that's exactly it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Good for the skin. Yeah. That too. <laughs> Uh, and if it if it's correlated with hair uh, hair growth, then I'm covered. You know. You oh, okay. <laughs> How have you been though, Cat? Uh, <laughs> I've been fantastic because Christmas time is now. And for those that don't know, Christmas time is my favorite time of year. Yes, I'm one of those obsessive people that goes super crazy and very extra during the Christmas season, whether you want to chalk it up to my traumatic childhood, but yet still finding joy on Christmas, then sure. But nonetheless, (laughs) I really enjoy this time of year and I'm very, very happy. So I've just been doing a lot of decorating Christmas planning, some shopping for people. Um, I reached out to Jessie the other day to get her new address to send something her way and she was very begrudging to give it to me. I don't like Christmas. But I love it. And that's why we work so well together. Jesse, how have you been? Um, besides being annoyed at everyone's Christmas memes on Facebook, you know, doing okay. Uh, I bought a few supplement things and got back to taking my daily vitamins, so I'm feeling healthy and responsible. I bought some Moringa leaf powder, which is 
new for me, uh, but it's it's a uh, good for B12. And I also bought a vitamin D spray that you can just like add to food or water. That's cool. This is a very random sidebar, but if anyone ever needs advice on supplements, you can definitely feel free to hit me up. I've done a lot of research in my time as a biology major because I really believe in holistic therapies and I've seen studies for it both with human and animal medicine as well. So I'm super into that stuff and I can give suggestions if you need help for picking out something for your specific case. And I am actually just a big fat health nut. So if yeah. you have any questions about just whole food dietary needs, then I can I can help you out maybe. Maybe give you some advice, turn you to some good references, whatever. Jessie is just so giving. You know, one time for Christmas, she bought me a cookbook that was how to cook vegetarian in college for dummies. And it mm-hmm. was just a recipe yeah. book so I could basically cook for her. And that was my Christmas present. It was it was really just so thoughtful. I thought it was. Like, I'm still really proud of that gift. <laughs> I have yet to open it because then Jesse and I went states apart. And we've not really seen too much of each other since then, which makes me sad. But I'll make you something vegan next time I see you. All right, Dr. Mike, how have you been? Hey, I've been doing pretty good. This actually is one of my favorite times of the year. Most of the folks that know me know that I'm actually one that um, will listen to Christmas music even in the middle of the summer. So now I'm kind of living my best life here and we've decorated the house, which is always a good time. So yeah, doing well. Yay. So what you listening to? Well, I kind of want to talk about my Spotify wrapped For all of you guys that have Apple Music, I sincerely apologize. I'm sure you're really tired of hearing about this by now because it's been everywhere. But I love looking at Spotify wrapped at the end of the year because it really just tells me how my mood was and how I was doing throughout a year. And then the playlist that they make for you with the top 100 songs that you listen to over the year is something that I'll always go back to and play and really just tells my personality in a playlist, I feel. So Just some brief stuff from mine. My top artists were in order. Post Malone. This is like the third or fourth year he's been my number one. Then Young the Giant, Bleachers, Chance the Rapper, and Khalid. So those are my top five. And then um, my top genre was pop, actually, which is new. And then second was rap. Third was lo-fi beats. Shout out to listening to that every time I study Fourth was rock, and fifth was modern rock. So this is like the first year I haven't had indie pop on there, indie. That was interesting. And that's just kind of what I wanted to share from mine. If you guys are interested, I probably will anyways, even if there is no interest. Put my link to my top 100 playlist somewhere on our Coffee Talk social media, because like I said, it really is my personality in a playlist. What What are you listening to? just really the same kinds of things that I have been listening to for years. Um, but now it's Christmas. So I've kind of got that, the, that kind of what we'd call playlist going and I'm really enjoying. Um, so like right now, I don't know if you guys know Kenny Loggins or that he actually did this wonderful Christmas, uh, CD called December, but 
it is not traditional Christmas meat. Well, there's a couple of traditional things in there, and everybody tends to know Kenny Loggins at Christmas for Celebrate Me Home, but mm -hmm. it's 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 not that. It's a kind of a different Kenny Loggins. But I mean, he's a singer songwriter, and he going back to Loggins and Messina. Um, he's just he's just wonderful to listen to. Amy Grant is another one that I really enjoy. Um, and again, you guys are probably some folks in your demographic might just be gagging right now while I'm talking about that, just because it's maybe more like their parents' music. But um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Otherwise, my main genre would be kind of soft rock. And you would hear lots of like Chicago, Toto, Boston, and, and nice. stuff that is still kind of mainstream music. I vibe with that. So, oh, yeah. yes, definitely Boston. What about you, Jess? So, my top artists were Billie Eilish, Florence and the Machine, Masego, Chica, and David Keenan. My top songs were Call Your Name, Black Truck, Industry Games, Mango, and Juno. I like number one top genre was pop. Also, I thought it was super interesting that um, my that I listened to 181 new genres this year, which is like a goal of mine to always try to listen to new stuff. So I was very happy about that. I listened to 271 new genres. I'm so glad that you're expanding your palette. Yeah, so I'm, I'd say I'm pretty eclectic. Yeah, all right. Um, chill about that. So <laughs> um, I'd love to introduce our episode topic now that we've done our little intro bits. Uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about picking your pals. So now we're going to bring Dr. Mike into the conversation a bit more. So Dr. Mike, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about your professional background and kind of what makes you a good expert witness for this kind of topic? Uh, I went to school and have my uh, doctorate is in developmental and child psychology. I also have a master's degree in counseling and another master's degree in human development. Um, along with that, though, my career actually began as a teacher, and I worked as a special education teacher for a while. Um, all of those opportunities kind of came together to give me a chance to gain experience in both public schools, um, residential treatment centers, and uh, also working in hospitals. Um, and then also beyond my education, I've had the opportunity to work um, both in public school, work um, for the military, and then also in clinical settings. And I've also been doing this now for over 30 years. So that's so pretty yeah. awesome. Well, a purely fun fact. I learned in college how to teach a rat how to play basketball. Okay. There was a portion of my training that very much followed kind of very behavioral um, things that were kind of Skinner's tradition of psychology. And Skinner was a guy that did a lot with animals and his uh, theories were built from a lot of animal research, primarily pigeons and rats. 
So anyway, uh, one of my classes required actually that I train a rat to do a number of things with marbles. Marble, when I talk about a basket or playing basketball, a marble was the ball. Anyway, but training a rat how, on how to collect marbles from the cage that they were in, so to speak, or the training apparatus, and put them in a sardine can that had actually had a hole cut in the bottom of it. It was upside down. And so they would collect their marble and carry it over and put it into the canister for a basket. And that is awesome. That was that was kind of fun. I yeah. love that. Did they carry it with their mouth or with their hands? Oh, they would kind of they would kind of carry it actually a little bit with their hands, kind of pushing it and and directing it. There really wasn't they weren't trying to kind of get it in their mouth as much. That is so cute. It was kind of fun. Uh, and rats are definitely definitely capable of doing an awful lot. They're much, much smarter than folks give them credit for. Yeah, I had two rats for a while. I also have a very big appreciation for rats and just other rodent type animals. I've been thinking about doing an exotic specialty in vet school. So then I'd be under all sorts of small pets. It's like miscellaneous, literally. So I would cover things like all rodents, uh, snakes, small well, potentially small birds. I might have to get an additional type of specialty for some birds, but... For big bird. Yeah, and birds kind of freak <laughs> me out. I'm not going to lie. That's the one animal yeah. that kind of scares me when they get really large. So I don't know if I'd do that. But then it also... I would also do things like ferrets and rabbits and even really exotic things like sugar gliders or, you know, small monkeys. So that definitely think really about that. Cool. You should um, do like a specialty so that you could like go to petting zoos and like check on the ponies and the donkeys well that would be an equine specialty and that's what i've been interning with so i've been interning at an equine hospital so that is like horses and mules and donkeys and ponies those type of creatures because they're different than a large animal specialty which is more farm animals kind of like cows that's cute so yeah very neat okay off topic (laughs) (laughs) can you tell us how how do we pick our pals? Can you like summarize? Well, yeah. The middle school spiel you gave me? Before we really start talking about picking pals, maybe um, it would be good to just give people a little background on kind of where I'm coming from. So uh, in a little context, as far as my training is concerned. So yeah, besides I talked about Skinner and basketball with rats, but when it comes to this topic of of making friends, it really brings me to a couple of people, um, Eric Erickson and Abraham Maslow. And they both, for me and my preparation, bring some really meaningful things to the, the table. As a theorist, Eric Erickson, he was around and did most of his publishing and things um, pretty much in the 40s and 50s, or excuse me, 50s and 60s and was a Yale and, and Harvard professor as far as that was. So, I mean, he, he definitely knew his stuff, was into the rigor, but he had a theory of what was called uh, psychosocial development uh, across the lifespan and very much 
what is embedded in his theory is the thought that we grow as a species. We grow through our social interactions, through our social relationships, and that there are, in fact, kind of milestones that um, aren't probably hard for anybody to imagine how what we're talking about here. But in there certainly are those important relationships, the closeness um, and what we learn from the closeness that we get from others. Okay, so kind of keeping that in mind when we talk about Erickson. Now, Maslow, how that kind of comes in. And now we're talking about kind of a, uh, a person who's a bit older and a lot of his works started off in kind of the 40s um, and, and kind of 50s kind of thing. But he was a person and a lot of people that may remember this from like high school or even colleges. He's the guy with kind of the pyramid. And he talks so much about how growth and things all build and kind of is dependent and comes very much from how, you know, we start off with just some very basic things like physiological safety, uh, physiological security and things to just feeling personal safety and having those things in place allow us to grow into relationships and our sense of, as a person, our feeling of belonging and, but again, relationships. Okay. So just know when I'm, where I'm coming from, this is kind of the theoretical basis for where I'm coming from. So is, is so with that said, um, yeah, let's talk about friends and making friends. Okay. And it's truly one of those things that you learn it by doing it. Although there is a whole lot of kind of trying to kind of watch other people and see how they're doing it. Um, and a lot of learning that comes from that. So I don't want to necessarily take anything away from it. I just want to say that you, you can watch a lot of it, but the biggest part of learning comes from being out there and actually participating and doing it. You can't necessarily play it safe. My message is I, the, the folks that I've seen the happiest are the folks that are playing it smart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're kind of <clears throat> going through life and I'm primarily, I spent most of my career working in a middle school. So a lot of my experience from this comes from kind of a middle school age group of kids because things really change in our friendships, you know, in elementary school, everybody's a friend, everybody's invited to your birthday party, blah, blah, blah. We all kind of understand that or probably can reach back in our memory and see that. But that all changes in middle school and it never goes back. Okay. And our relationships change and how we go about making our friends change. Um, and so at that particular point in time, often I had tried to kind of help explain to kids that, you know, when you start out, you can kind of look at, and I would talk about this in the framework of a school, you could look at the whole building, you know, and kind of divide the group up into three parts, okay? You have kind of what I would call schoolmates and classmates, which that's just 
Kids that happen to be going to your school, you may never even talk to them, but you pass them in the hallway every day. You maybe sit in class with them. You might loan them a pencil if they needed it in class, but you've never really had either the opportunity or the need to get to know them any better. So they're really just a person that is around. Then the next group's acquaintance, okay? Uh, acquaintance is more about, these are interesting people, okay? This is where opportunity lies. These are people that through just random opportunity, you come to recognize that they have something in common with you, at least your interests, maybe not be stuff that you're actually doing right now, but just the things that they're involved in or their humor or other things like that are kind of interesting. And so you may walk the halls with them. You may spend time with them on social media or um, having lunch or different things like that because they're interesting. They're fun. They're doing stuff that, and, and equally, they're probably interesting. Uh, they also find you interested too, interesting too. And you probably have things in common, but the relationship, that relationship is really about fun. It's about spending time together and just having a good time. Okay. Which is different than a friend. Okay. okay. A friend is everything that an acquaintance is and more because the relationship's about you. Okay. So here's the thing. It could be the most fun. There can be, I mean, you could be out at an amusement park or just whatever might be the best time for, for you personally. And you're there with that person. But if that person, something's not right and they're not having a good time, you're not having a good time. And it, like I said, it could be the best moment, but a friend, a friend's kind of with you for the good and for the bad. And as far as that's concerned, so the nice thing is, is there's a lot of safety with friendship that isn't necessarily there with an acquaintance. Okay. Acquaintances. Well, especially kind of sometimes with the way our society views humor and things like that, humor and fun can kind of be mean. And especially around like middle school age kids mean because they're still learning boundaries mean is also kind of part of the lesson and, and kind of a daily occurrence sometimes. And so there's a lot of learning to take care of yourself and understand that you don't make a friend in a day. You take some time, get to know them as an acquaintance and you talk about the fun. You talk about what's interesting. You don't necessarily jump in and get real personal or private about yourself until you've had some time and they feel and you know they are comfortable with the personal private stuff because they're talking about that stuff too and so there's safety in that and that's and and so the thing is is <clears throat> thinking using schools as the model all right there's hundreds of classmates and schoolmates the folks that you walk the halls with that you don't know acquaintances huh? On a good time in your life, when things are nice and stable, maybe a dozen or more acquaintances, okay? Friends, the friends that as I described it, two, three, okay? When we're talking about when you're getting more mature into your adolescence and going on as an adult. And you know what? With how life may take us, it's very 
common and normal to look around and not necessarily even see your friends, okay? Because life is taking you in different directions sometimes, and that doesn't mean you're less or that, that, that you're less friends with anybody. It just means their interests are going one place and your interests are going another. And there's still, as the relationship and the strength of the relationship is there, the connection is, is, it's one of those things where you don't see the person for a while, but then all of a sudden you're right back together again. And it's like, you picked right up where you left off. Okay. And again, that's just another way to measure that. Okay. So what can happen if you throw this kind of outline out of the window? Like, are there consequences of being too open or consequences of being too closed off? Well, yes. I mean, yes. To both of those, you know, obviously with, with being too open, that can lead to, um, vulnerability and, um, from the sense that, uh, like we've talked about and I kind of oversimplify, but I'm going to stick with the middle school example. You might put yourself out there in ways that people might actually take advantage of and teasing humor, uh, kinds of things or even bullying for that matter, because people see that a little bit more as a vulnerability. And unfortunately, when it comes to learning these boundaries, not everybody learns boundaries. Not everybody necessarily learns niceness in middle school or even high school. So these kinds of things can carry on definitely easily into adult life. Um, now, the other problem is and this kind of plays back to um, Erickson's theory as well, is it being too closed off, okay? Yeah, isolation, all right? When you get too isolated with it, all right, it's like I said, the only way you grow is by doing it. You've got to kind of be out there. You don't want to be too far out there, but you do kind of have to be participating in the game and getting to know people, sharing, sharing about yourself, sharing time, doing things to allow yourself to learn and grow. So you don't want to be too isolated. You don't want to be too closed off because then that also teaches you how to take care of yourself when things don't work out. And it's easiest when you get those things worked out with the simple relationships, the friendships before things start getting really more complicated and adult relationships involving intimacy and things like that. Gotcha. Okay. So can people do this in their professional world? Like, you know, we started in the school setting, but in the adult relationships, how do people distinguish friends from coworkers? And then how can you help to transition maybe a coworker that you think is really cool to maybe a friend? I think it translates, actually, the school model translates pretty well. Although I'm going to put a big qualifier in there that's going to sound kind of obvious. Um, it, you know, in a pandemic, you kind of have to get a little creative because the workplace, you know, your workplace may be your living room or uh, dining room. And for the other person, it may be their bedroom. So, which is to say, opportunities to actually be together, that may look a little different than it did back before March. 
But at the center of all of it, it really does have to do with time, the time you spend together. Now, um, part of what may make all of that work a little easier in a workplace, and you do see that from some, from time to time, is clearly in a workspace or in a work in the workplace, you're spending your time, and obviously, if you're going to keep your job, you need to be keeping your time on task. Okay, so you get samples of people in the workplace that start to tell you maybe a little bit about their interests and you you kind of pick that up just through basic conversational kinds of things. In some workplaces, there's also the opportunity that can come from different after work kinds of activities. So it could be something as informal as going out for drinks, or it could be something where as some, some workplaces they have like corporate competitions or a group of people may decide to join a softball league or bowling league or things like that, which again, it puts them out there. And so a lot of times it's helpful maybe to think of, you know, when you see those opportunities, not just think about and measure the fact that, oh, I don't bowl. So I'm not going to do that. Um, depending on what this group of people are doing, if they're trying to necessarily be real competitive, maybe you do want to look elsewhere. But if, if there's other people that are just kind of getting out there and nobody's really trying to be the pro bowler, but really it's just a collection of acquaintances having fun, then take that opportunity in the workplace get out and join and see if you can get to know some folks a little bit better and form some form some friendships um and it may be doing something that you never really imagined yourself doing and it's not for the purposes of doing that thing it's for the purpose of meeting people and getting to know folks so you're saying go for it uh absolutely <laughs> absolutely um, it really, you know, uh, it can't hurt to try and kind of get to know folks a little bit better as long as you're feeling safe, you know, um, if, if your thing really isn't about being on roller coasters or the back of a racing motorcycle or something like that, it may be a little difficult for you to make those friendships you do kind of have to follow your interests in there a bit because that also tells people a little bit about you okay and if you're not feeling safe and comfortable because you've kind of stretched too far then again that's going to limit your openness and stuff okay well i think you've given us some good good outlines some steps to go back to when trying to attempt to make friends in adulthood. <laughs> well, right. And and then there's there's other I mean, granted, there's plenty of things that are online that, you know, uh, ways of meeting people and websites and things like that. There's also very traditional for the folks that might be more traditional institutions that you know, the if you're a person of faith, um, participating in, in in your church and uh, groups, social groups 
that are uh, in your place of worship. That's also another good way to, again, what might bring people together is the value system, but what's actually going on there are people really getting to know each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just any time, like anything that suits your interests or is something that you do mm-hmm. already, right. just take it further and just get more involved in it and yeah. try to meet people that way. Yeah, the less the less organized, the more random, the more you kind of want to not necessarily be totally open. So like if you're just meeting a group of people um, at a bar, um, that which can still be very enjoyable and a good time and dancing and all sorts of kinds of ways to get acquainted and learn about other people and what they like. That's probably not the time to go ahead and just jump right out the first time with a group of people and start doing jello shots. Um, <laughs> right. Why right. not? You know, Make sure you can that would be an get a ride home of, or drive. Yeah, yeah. That would be a, another example of a little too open. <laughs> yeah. Definitely want to make sure that you're it might not be safe. on a first hangout. <laughs> you know, you got to find that safe, happy mix that everybody feels comfortable with because that's when everybody's having fun and people show who they are the most. I like it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming, Dr. Mike. It was great to have you and congrats on being the very first ever guest on Coffee Talk. It has really been a pleasure. Uh, I have enjoyed your earlier podcasts, and I look forward to this and others. So that was a really exciting first interview. I'm so glad we got to do that. Uh, Jess, what do you think your favorite takeaway from the interview was? I don't know. I guess it was just like funny just to hear what I've been hearing my whole life. You know, isolation is bad, Jesse. You got to get out there. You got to meet people. And that's the only way that you learn and grow. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, if we didn't make it clear enough earlier in the podcast, that was Jesse's dad. (laughs) I I don't know if that gives you a clear picture (laughs) as uh, how I came to be, but yeah, yeah, that explains everything. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I was just wondering if we had actually spelled that out for people before we had started, and I was like, well, do people know that? Uh, That would seem really weird that Dr. Mike had been telling Jesse that for (laughs) several years of her life now. That's my child psychologist. I've been seeing him since I was five. Well, kind of. I think that my favorite takeaway from the interview was kind of just hearing about the middle school spiel because I didn't necessarily have that guidance, but I can 100% see why that is important. I always felt like I did separate people into categories, and I always felt like I kind of did that on my own accord. So, I'm proud of myself for doing that. I felt like I ended up developing some really amazing friendships, both middle and high school. I feel like I really stayed out of a lot of drama and cliques in middle and high school, and I was significantly better off for it. Um, I definitely got into that when I had first transferred to the school that Jesse and I met, and I just didn't like that feeling. I didn't like feeling like I was excluding other people. I didn't like feeling like I was excluded even within the group and trying to fit into something that I just didn't fit into. So I kind of adopted this policy that I was going to be friends with everyone that I possibly could be. I wouldn't only hang out with one group of people and I would try and hang out with every kind of clique, if you will. And I followed that in middle and high school and I really got some amazing friends out of it, people that I now feel like I developed personal relationships that will last a really long time. So, I really enjoyed hearing the middle school spiel. 
Just made you feel good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Not just good about myself, but also that like, wow, that really re it, – it's kind of crazy to me sometimes to think about how so much can be traced back psychologically. It, it's so – human behavior is so easily explained, whether it's by psychology, biology, evolution, anything. There was a class that I took called Animal Behavior, and we got into this huge class debate about – if you can literally predict everything that a person wants to do or is going to do just purely based on evolution. And it was the funniest class discussion. It even got, we even started reading scientific papers about why attractiveness is actually just an evolutionary wire in our brain. It has yeah. nothing to do with anything else. And so we just got on that kind of tangent and it really blows my mind whenever I talk to a professional or I read a scientific paper about how much of our decisions and our lives can just kind of be boiled down to things that can be traced. It makes me feel a little bit less special, but also really cool that we're all in a way hardwired the same. Yeah, no, I definitely feel less cool when I apply the principles that I hold to be true about everyone else to myself. I'm like, oh man, I'm just the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, truly. Do you feel like you struggle with picking good pals? I don't know. It's kind of a tricky question because I'd say I've been betrayed by everyone except for a couple people that I've cared about in my life. Like I can list maybe three people I care about that haven't betrayed me in like a big painful way. So oh God, maybe... I really hope I'm not on that list. No, no, you're, you're one of the the three so <sighs> so I don't know if that's like a reference to my incapability of picking good friends or if it's that I pick good friends and then they just stop being good friends I don't know I guess it's kind of a tricky question in that sense but I all of those people that have left me behind or betrayed me like at the time they were great friends and like we had a really good time and I felt like I grew from being in those relationships so I guess in that sense yeah I, I don't know what about you? I would kind of agree with you that I've definitely had some really rough betrayals. When I was younger, specifically, I had this really weird pattern of needing a best friend. And I honestly even continued that into middle and high school, even though I was just applauding myself for having this really diverse friend group and stuff. It always kind of stuck me in this pattern where even though I didn't want to be in a clique, I really wanted to have that best friend kind of thing, someone that I could always go to or, you know, pal around with. And I ended up getting in this kind of toxic pattern where I had a new one like every school year. And that happened distinctly, I can remember, all throughout grade school, literally second to fifth grade. And then when I got to middle school, I didn't really have one in sixth grade. I did have that person in seventh grade. And then I didn't really have again in eighth grade. And I got to high school and I spent literally the first year and a half with someone that just honestly was not in a very good place themselves and I tried my very hardest to like fix them and be the best friend for them and they had really been a pal to me in the beginning so I just felt so loyal to sticking around and I eventually had to like cut that person out of my life because it got to be a really toxic relationship and um, I won't, you know, dive into any more details than that, but that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, about where I woke up and was like, I need to stop putting so much emphasis on having a 
best friend, you know, the best friend that is there Mm -hmm. for everything. And I've really tried hard to be aware of that trait that I have within myself throughout college. So I would not say that I really picked that throughout college. I feel like now I have a lot of best friends. I have a lot of people that are really close to me and that I hope, you know, I have picked good pals. Sometimes I question it. I'm not going to lie. I've had some really shady behavior out of some of my good guy friends recently. And by that, I mean people, I thought the people that I've been hanging out with recently were going to be people that I was going to have a, you know, reunion with every year. And even if we move states away, we could get back together, stay in touch. I thought I kind of found that group and I've been with that group for probably two, two and a half years now. And really recently, I've watched so many of these young men who I thought were really developing into these amazing, these amazing mature men just totally backpedal on so much of their emotional maturity progress, like cheating on their long-term girlfriends, uh, doing really shady stuff, picking up really toxic behaviors, like lying, pathologically lying about major things. And it's kind of got me reconsidering and being like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) I thought, you know, all of my preconceived notions are just out the freaking window. And I'm kind of like, well, great. Really glad that that's happening and that I've lost so much faith almost in the people that I've had really close to me for a long time now. Yeah. And the annoying part too is I really truly do believe the phrase that you are who you hang out with. I watched myself. I've watched so many people morph into similar personality traits of the people that they hang out with all the time. And it freaks me out. Well, I've definitely found your friends always questionable. So, you know. Oh, Lord. Yeah, don't even get Jessie started on that tangent because she, and I just have to preface this, she's come to visit me and meet, like, my college friends probably three separate times. One was my 21st birthday, and then she's visited me two other times while, like, coming to my actual university and staying with me for a week or a weekend or whatever. And all three times that she's managed to meet my college friends, it's been the absolute worst timing where they're going through something personal or something really bad happens and just it, it's horrible. Like I would not I would not want her first impression of these people to be when they have. And so she just really ends up seeing, I swear to God, the worst of <laughs> people that I love whenever she comes to meet them. And so it's always really just kind of ended in in her being like, Kat, what what are you doing? <laughs> And I'm like, you don't understand, I promise. It was just a bad moment for the friendship or a bad moment for them. Yeah, the first time I almost clocked a girl because she wouldn't stop touching me. And then the second time, you're 21st, I almost personally asked a police officer to arrest one of your friends because he was just such trouble. And what? let's see, what was the third time? I don't remember. Every time. You know, if, if they're around in five years, then maybe I'll consider them. Same same rules for Goldie. Same rules apply for your friends. Whatever. Okay, well, Goldie's about year three, so just gotta... Go. Two years to go. <laughs> yeah. and then and then you'll like him. But... Uh, oh, no, no, no. I didn't say I'd like him. I said I'd consider him. Consider. Consider. Jeez. Consider. Jeez. Yeah. I'm gonna be like on my wedding day to whoever I'm gonna marry, and Jesse's gonna be like, mmm... I guess. I guess it's fine. You're, yes. 
And I'm going to try to talk you out of it the whole way through while I'm designing your table settings. <laughs> See, you can't do that because <laughs> I would have like a panic attack. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. Uh, especially not on the day of the wedding. I had a friend that just got married the other weekend and she had to just obviously cancel so much because of COVID. Like they, they couldn't get a refund on anything. So they had to like keep with the original date that was going to be in 2020, but they cut down like the wedding party. They cut down so much. They cut down their guest list. Everything got moved outside so people could sit apart at the ceremony. You know what I mean? They did, they did everything that they could to still have it happen. But you know, lower the risk for for COVID as much as they possibly could. And still everything possible like went wrong for her. And she was such a chill bride about it. Literally like her, uh, I think it was the father of the bride who was supposed to do the ceremony was missing for most of the morning. And then she had two bridesmaids, bridesmaids drop out the week of the wedding and say that they weren't coming and they were like kind of shitty reasons. And then all this other stuff just awful went wrong. And she was telling me this story and I was sweating just thinking about what would happen if that was me. And meanwhile, she was like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally chill. She just was the most chill person. Could not relate. Yeah, you know what I would do for you in that situation? Drug me? No, I'd just postpone it. I feel like you'd try drugging me first to get me through. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't drug drug you because I know that you're such a people person that you would want everyone there and if the important oh, I could people never have couldn't be now. there. Yeah. So I would just be like, dude, like too many people have canceled. Let's just wait. Let's just postpone it. Like, what's another six months? Like, what's the difference? Let's just wait. Right. Okay. Going more back to our main topic, Jess, do you have a story kind of applicable to picking good pals or do you want to talk a little bit about our friendship? Anything like that? I just have bad experiences with friends and people I trust. I don't know. I think I think I've grown to think of my brother as my my BFF, I guess. I'm kind of stuck with him. Like he was a massive dick as a as a most of his life. I was going to say as a kid, but no, literally most of his life up until like the last 3 years he stopped being a a jerk. So, now that he's not a jerk, I'm like cool hanging around him. And he's actually like a nice person now and almost a good person. He's like almost there. So, Aww. Yeah, so we're we're tight, which is cool. I think my sister is a little jealous, but I try to be cool with her too, but she's just she's just so awkward. It's hilarious. But I'd say on the on the friend category, I do have I guess some criteria that I think is still valuable even though I've had bad experiences. Okay. Um so I'd say trustworthiness is like my first one. I should never hear my story or words that I said coming out of someone else's mouth like that. Mm-mm. Nope, that's that's a no go. So if I tell a friend something, I it does not matter if it's like a quadruple friend thing where like all four of us always hang out if I tell one friend something I do not want to hear it mentioned from the other two definitely yeah that's a huge thing I know some people are cool with that no 
not me. Nope. Then consistency. So hypocrisy is like a huge red flag and consistency is a huge red flag to me. If someone isn't, doesn't care enough to be consistent in their life and their values, then they aren't consistent enough to be a good friend all the time. So, uh, like how people treat others that aren't their friends or their family, uh, I always look out for that as like a, a, a tell of who they are. Just how they do everything. If, if they're inconsistent, if they, you know, don't treat their animals well, or they don't treat people well, or, you know, just stuff like that. Or they don't treat certain age groups well. Like, that's, that's a big thing. Any sort of, like, prejudice or hypocrisy is a big, big no-no. I think this um, is the first time I've really agreed and would say that everything you just said is super applicable to me too because I cannot agree more with how people treat others and especially things like you said age groups kids and the elderly and animals and yeah wow totally agree yeah and it's like one thing if like kids just don't like you that's that's fine Old, older women don't like me hmm. it's a it's a phenomena it's such a phenomena that my mom can testify to it. Like, if you ask my mom, like, hey, does Jesse have an issue with, like, women over the age of 45? She'd be like, yes, it's bizarre. <laughs> and I'm I'm not any different. I'm nice. I'm polite. I'm all, you know, you wouldn't believe it from this podcast, but I have very good social skills when I'm meeting people I don't know. I would agree with that. She's always been great at family parties. But yeah, they just don't like me. They always try to fight me. I'm not joking. It's a real thing. I don't know. But but I'm still nice is the point is what I'm saying. You have to be consistent. Even if even if other people aren't consistent to you. Do you have any like advice or like a story related to to picking your pals? I just really think that our friendship is a good testimony to what good healthy relationships look like. I'm not trying to, you know, stroke our ego or be like, our friendship is so perfect. We're the best friends (laughs) a a person could have. And we're just both such superior people. Yeah, no, it's definitely not me trying to say that because that's not totally true. Like, we've had our bumps and bruises like every, you know, relationship does. And I'm sure that Jesse has been insanely angry at me for shit that I do like being late and I yes understand that that's thank you for saying so mm-hmm. yeah no I, I just want to be acknowledged <laughs> yeah. so I'm not trying to say that we're so high above everyone else but I really do think that our friendship shows a really healthy relationship which makes me happy because I don't necessarily have a longer friendship than you and I someone that I'm that close with over a long period of time And it kind of impresses me. And I think a lot of it is because of the fact that both of us are so chill and comfortable in the friendship, but we're also really able to understand where each other is needed, if that makes sense. I have very specific scenarios that play out in my head of what I need you for specifically. For I know this is so weird, but I've sometimes, and this is maybe because I'm an anxious person or I have anxiety, I'm not an anxious person, but I will imagine, you know, the worst case scenario of something, if something bad happens and certain scenarios like that in my head, I'm like, well, I would definitely call Jesse to help me out in that situation, or I would only trust Jesse with this or blah, 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 blah. And I couldn't say that for a lot of people. I would pretty much only reserve that for her or literally like my mom or Goldie, where I kind of have certain scenarios where I'm like, yeah, 
I need her for that specific thing. And so I would, I know where you kind of fit into my life, if that makes sense. And I think that I also fill a spot in a type of relationship in your life, if that makes sense. And we're not also trying to be everything for each other, which is also something I think is important in a relationship is not putting everything into one human being. (laughs) There's not one person that can fulfill every role. Like I would definitely say that Goldie is my best friend, but I also wouldn't necessarily say that I should put every single aspect of my life on him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to advice, I really just find that finding my pals is best done with doing things that I enjoy and meeting people that way. For example, whether it was in middle school or high school or college or whatever I'm starting a new journey on, I try to get really involved. And then once I get super involved in a whole bunch of things, then I find out what within those things I really have a passion for. And then that's what I pursue more heavily in continuing years. But I definitely start out with trying to get myself out there. And I love to meet people through mutual activities, whether it's, I don't know, a sport or a team thing or an organization, charity work, something like that. And then when I meet people by involvement, then usually we have some sort of common ground because we both were interested in the same activity. So that's definitely what my advice is for finding pals and picking quality pals is starting with some sort of base ground. And if you're not in a situation where you can join an activity, like you're not in school anymore, try things like a book club or a club of some sort that exists within your community that you could just put yourself out there once and try and meet people that might have something in common with you. Yeah, definitely. I would also agree with that. I think that's like the baseline, like step one, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But actually, uh, and I don't think this works for everyone. I think most people have horrible taste in other people and they do not, they they don't have like a good radar for bad news people. So bad news bears, like, no, I don't think, I don't think most people know how to keep a radar on that. So it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. But I'd say that the best look I've had with friends, uh, at least in my adult life, is just rant randos like me going about my day and I just see them. <laughs> see them. They're just there. And I'm like, oh, wow, I gotta know that person. And then I go up and I'm like, wow, can we be friends? In like a not creepy way. <laughs> I mean, I'm always awkward doing that, but, I, but I'm not creepy like I just sounded. Um, like, for example, I, when I first moved to Denver, of course, what do I do? I went to a dispensary and I went to go get some CBD and some edibles because, you know, that's my right. The bud tender there was this 10 foot tall ghostly figure covered in all black cloaked clothing with like the biggest smile saying like, I'll be right with you. How can I help you today? And I'm just like amazed yeah they're super cool i haven't really stayed in touch since i moved but i feel like if i texted them they text me back definitely well thank you so much for joining us on coffee talk hope you were able to get a little bit of advice and if not you were able to enjoy some stories and a brief psychology lesson 
about development of your social skills and the importance of developing your social skills. For my very first guest, Dr. Mike, um, thanks again for joining us. Make sure to hit us up if you have questions, comments, concerns about the podcast. And other than that, we will see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for hanging out with Coffee Talk. Cover art is by our very own Jesse and Kat. Theme music is by Spencer Thutt. Background music is produced under Creative Commons. Coffee Talk is an independent podcast supported by two struggling 20-somethings. So we shamelessly beg our listeners to support the podcast by subscribing to our Patreon or donating through our website, coffeetalkpod.com. Talk to you soon. Bye.